0: y'all okay so i have spent the last like 30 or so minutes wandering around my apartment trying to find good lighting um my apartment doesn't look like it has bad lighting but then once you and like the past couple interviews like hannah ross oh my gosh she came on and she was just lit like an angel The backdrop was, like, quirky and colorful. She was just in her office. She looked amazing. My best light is in my living room, which is where I've taken selfies and whatnot. However, it is the biggest room, so I'm guessing it's the echoiest room. That sounds right, right? So I've kept trying to record in my bathroom, or not bathroom, my bedroom, and, um... I just look so gray and grainy, and I try a different thing every single time. By the way, little bit of a Rosie update. I'm holding her like a baby because she, as soon as I start recording, found the loudest, for one, first, she found a box of nails. <laughs> I don't even know where this came from, and she started shaking it like a maraca, hid it from her. Um, by the way, Rebecca, it's in your stationery box. I hide things from myself a lot of the time. Anyways, so I need to buy a ring light, right? But if anyone follows me on Instagram, I had a little bit of a meltdown earlier because I was like, how do I get people to listen? And my little sister and I broke it down. Either you are A, a famous person, so people like Dak Shepard. Everybody already was going to listen to it to an extent, so you're a famous person. Alec Baldwin, Dax Shepard, Rob Lowe, Anna Ferris, And then you just get to interview people, which is my deepest passion in life. However, I was talking to a friend of mine and I brought up the podcast the other day and she was like, you need an angle. And I am narcissistic enough where I'm like, aren't I an angle enough? Guys, I'm not enough of an angle. So she was like, have people write in. But you can't have people write in because not enough people listen. Gosh, I'm being a little whiny baby. But I don't here's I'm just being honest with you guys. So I I was just like, I don't want to fail at something else. And I think if no one writes in, which I was pretty sure no one would, I love being pleasantly surprised. But I told Erica, I was like, listen, she was she's been so nice about setting all of this up. And I will introduce her in a second. She is our guest, she is fabulous. Of course she's being so nice. Um, but I was like, hey, I don't know. I'm gonna post. can you reshare on um, your uh, your production company and on your own Instagram? She was like, totally. asked for audition horror stories. Very small part of me thought people would write in. They didn't and I'm which I'm fine with. But I'm just like, dude, I need an angle. I asked for suggestions. People gave me some suggestions but I just don't think I would be very good at them. You know? You know? And I'm just like, are people already wanting me to hurry up? Of course you do, because she's the best. Let's do this. Oh, after the, by the way, guys, I'm recording this a little bit before, (laughs) um, like a couple hours before I actually talk to her. I am feeling very smug. Um, I have a lot of free salad dressing from my job and I'm going to go around like Santa Claus and give away vegan salad dressing. What is my life? Um, I'm only working one part-time job. I'm feeling a little stressed for money. I need a a light. I need a light. I don't need to be famous. (laughs) I just need to be able to pay my rent, and I have my hand in too many fires, and then someone said, start a TikTok. And then I listened to a podcast, and they were like, tiktok is the next instagram in five years instagram will be your mom's facebook and i'm just like how many things am i supposed to learn and i need another job and i was supposed to do an interview last friday and i missed it which is so unlike me and i apologize very sincerely and she never got back to me and i understand why i understand why Sorry, I'm listening to too many podcasts right now. Guys, I, I consume like three or four hours a day. I kid you not. Because I need another job. And I just keep busy around the house. And so I don't get in my own thoughts. I listen to a podcast. It is. And I think this is why I'm doing a podcast voice right now. Don't worry. It'll go away once I start talking to Erica Miranda. Dum-bum-bum. Who is Erica? I'm going to read you first the... Um, the little first post from Cafecito, Cafecito Productions. Cafecito Productions is an Atlanta based production company dedicated to making art that has reverence of the process and empowers the community to tell stories that explore the good and rather complicated truths of the human experience. Um, on Instagram, because, you know, we're all comparing each other's lives on Instagram. Um, dude, I'm getting like, I'm getting like real on this intro. Um I saw that she was filming something with her production company and I was like good for you cuz some people launch production companies, some people launch podcasts, new endeavors and then they don't follow through, which is fine. There's um oh by the way this is episode 26. Pat myself on the back. So I saw that she was filming something Erica and I actually not 2020 4th of July. 2020 it's so nice that it was on a certain day 2020 no 2019 4th of july i had seen her in the production of the wolves then i went and i saw her in like a stage reading of something um because i was like she was she was so nice to me and i was like let's go see everything she does um except i missed something I was doing a show at the same time. But anyways, I'm big on seeing people's stuff. I saw her in The Wolves, and she listed Lambda, which is where I got my master's degree. Um, and I got so excited. And after the show at the Horizon Theater in Atlanta, at Horizon Theater, you, the actors stay on stage or come back onto stage, and then people come up and talk to you about it. Um, which is... Um, which... I don't love doing that. I love to talk to people after shows, but I get really nervous. Here's why. Because there's this little bit of an exchange where you make eye contact with someone, and unless someone approaches you and tells you good job, if you catch eye contact for too long, they then are obligated to be like, oh, thank thank you, and then you're like, oh, thank you for coming. But then if they don't follow up with something more specific, it was a pity good job. And that makes me really nervous. So it, it's not because I'm reclusive or an artiste. It's because I'm aware of that. And it's, it's really... Maybe as an actor, I'm just aware when I see actors afterwards, it's a really delicate balance. And then if someone just walks out in front of you, you feel really uncomfortable. But it's possible that they just don't know what to say. But anyways, on her bio, I saw Lambda. I was like, I went there and I went up to her and I introduced myself. And um, and then I started following her on Instagram. I also talked to Rebecca Robles, who's the other girl I saw in The Wolves. And um, yeah, so she was like, sure, let's go get coffee. And then COVID, she's been all over the place. Um, I'm going to be watching her horror film in a minute while I make lunch. And I told her I'm very nervous because I don't know why people on the podcast that keep coming on have scary movies. I've been watching the show Search Party because Hannah, Hannah Aleen told me to. And I literally had a dream the other night I murdered someone. So I'm a little nervous about Erica's, but it's a big deal that she was in it. She like, there was a red carpet and everything and I'm going to be watching it. Very nervous, (laughs) but I'm so excited to talk to Erica. I love y'all and I'm going to do a great job. I am going to do a great job. All right. Love you. Bye-bye. Anyways, how are you, babe? Where are you?
1: I'm in Atlanta. I' Atlanta. Yeah, I've um I've been here for a little bit. Is it b- back and forth in LA for uh, for a little bit since I saw you last? I think.
0: Yeah. So when you say back and forth, do you mean since the
1: pandemic or just? I started the pandemic in LA. Yeah, I was there um on a sublease in I think starting in like January, and then this craziness hit, and I was mid sublease. And it was wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. What were you doing in LA? Um, I was out there. So a part of my team is out there, um, mm-hmm. and I was out there just auditioning and kind of honestly getting my feet wet. I think the plan was to kind of go and not come back before the pandemic hit. I mean, you know, it's just not a not mm-hmm. the best place to be on like a no income budget. You know, <laughs> no.
0: By no income budget, is that just because you weren't working at the yoga studio? Or were you just like hoping to book and pay the LA rent?
1: Yeah. Well, a little bit of both. Um, so I wasn't working for the yoga studio when I had gone out there. Um, I That that ended for me like uh, a little bit beforehand. But when I was out there, they contacted me and were like, hey, like work with us. The thing in Georgia didn't work out, but, you know, we still love you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> work with us out here so I actually did start working for the studio again out in California okay um but then with the pandemic they also closed down and eventually completely closed down all of their in-person studios across the nation um yeah so that I mean that was definitely adding to it
0: yeah okay so gosh do you like LA did you not really get a good taste for it because COVID
1: What a good question. And probably way more complicated than it really has to be. So I lived out in LA LA for about three years before I ever came to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a love hate relationship to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked a little bit, but mostly like, didn't, you know, as an actor, just like the super hustle, um, that we all know. I, (laughs) really kind of woo-woo, but I was on a, I was on a beach with my, with my life coach at the time. And we mm-hmm. went through a meditation and it, I had to go to Atlanta. Like that's yeah. just it, 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 that's where my family is. And I had been away for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just crystal clear that you just have to go send to yourself near people you love and, yeah. and, you know, find, Find your way a different way,
0: yes, yeah. No. I mean, for one, I love woo-woo. and then two <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love that. Um but also, I think, no, I mean, I completely I completely agree. For one living six hours away from home is like luxurious after living a huge travel away from home and when I first left grad school I was like New York or LA New York or LA and Atlanta wasn't even an idea in my head and then once I realized I was like I don't think like being grounded I was like I I will just because I wasn't in a good enough place to go to one of those cities you know and be kind like I was already in not a great place and it was I knew I was gonna have to be so strong Yeah. To and it's just like a inner yeah. So like being in Atlanta for me is kind of like looking after myself first, and um and then like who like and who knows you know. But as of now, like yeah, being in a safer space.
1: Yeah, Um, and you're a cancer too, aren't you? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I am picking up what you're putting down. It all. Yeah. uh, it hits home too.
0: Are you a cancer
1: as well? Oh yeah. Okay. Did we talk about this? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I just know just based on like your aesthetic and how much you care for like the space that you're in. Yes. Then like this girl has
2: got
1: cancer. <laughs> Cancers show their cards a little bit more. Like you can immediately find yeah. a cancer.
0: <laughs> and one of the nice things is I don't know a lot about astrology. I, I don't know. I'm just making one up, but people will be like, not a Pisces are like never, never a this. And I've never heard anyone say not a cancer. So no one says they like cancers, but no one says they hate cancers. And so I'll hear people talking about astrology and I'm like, okay, I'm not a bad one. <laughs> that's all I care about. <laughs>
1: that's okay. No, I think we're pretty good. I'd keep us around.
0: Cool. So you were in LA <laughs>
1: hopping around.
0: Um, <laughs> first time in LA, you're on the beach you're, Mm -hmm. I have to move back to Atlanta. But like you told your family, like, don't tell me that I'm coming back home.
1: I think it was what you were touching on a little bit ago is when you leave school, I went to conservatory in Mm -hmm. Chicago. And I guess I'm prefacing with that, but by saying that A, I move around a ton, like two years, I'm going somewhere else. Um, And so that's just a thing about me. I have yet to figure out. And then B, I think, you know, leaving a conservatory program, you're like you were mentioning, it's either Mm -hmm. like New York or LA, like that's where we're supposed to be as actors, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? And I think that I, I mean, skip a few heartbreaks. I think that's how I got to LA the first time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I had to get out of Chicago and that seemed like the best option. Yeah. So when I was coming back to Atlanta the first time, I think I, I I think I was super self-conscious about regression you know, Mm -hmm. um, about it not being the right move or it being a weak move or some bullshit like that, you know? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So words were really important to me. And I was like, okay, when you see me, family, I'm not coming back home. I'm just here, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I completely get that because um, so like after Lambda had no idea what Mm -hmm. I was going to do. But um, so I was in Jackson for five months and it sucked because Um, for me, it was like, everyone was like, Ooh, London, fancy. And then all my friends were like, you know, Oh my gosh, Rebecca went to this cool school. We didn't even know it was possible for someone from our hometown to do that. And everyone was like, I believe in you. I believe in you. And then all of a sudden, this is me just getting, I'm sure like overly emotional. But then I noticed, I was like, no one's saying that anymore because all of a sudden I was in my hometown for five months. There's, there's like no arts or culture that you can get involved in. Okay. And all of a sudden I was like, people aren't saying that anymore. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, I, I bet you probably know this just because you are you and you are so like effervescent and sweet, but that wasn't a weak move. You yeah. know, that's just what we have to just continue telling ourselves. And it was a pandemic like.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, shit. No, I've been like pretty good for a couple months, but I'm having a rough day. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I was like excited though to get on the call with you because I was like, this is gonna be good. So, anyways, this is I don't think I've ever cried on the podcast. How do you feel about thinking it was a weak move? Like for you, you Mm -hmm. thought it was maybe a weak move to move back home. Did Mm -hmm. you change your mind once you how did you change your mind about that? Because I don't believe that, but also it's it is a complicated answer.
1: Yeah, um, I'll tell you, I didn't change my mind about that. I changed how I let the fear of other people get to me. Yeah. Uh, And I learned, am learning the value in living for yourself. Mm -hmm. um in that sense you know in in a really like pure selfish sense of being like like you know like you were saying taking care of yourself instead of letting the noise of other people eat at you which I think is huge and I'm no master of that now but like I do know that I mean I freaking love what I do you know I'm I refuse to let those worries or fears that are society or other people have boxed in for me get in the way yeah yeah and I
0: will say um A friend of mine in high school gave me like the best advice. I had done something in, in history class. It's so weird how I remember this, but um, I was, I had done something embarrassing. And at lunch I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be talking about it. (laughs) And she looks at me and she goes, Rebecca, you're not that interesting. (laughs) Do you feel yourself
1: moving back to LA? Gosh, never say never in this world, yeah. who knows. Um, I was out there again um, because like I felt that I belong. I had I'd gone back earlier that year, like in October for um, an event that I had and
2: mm-hmm.
1: I kind of got the bug, I guess you could say. And I was like, mm-hmm try again like I don't know um and this time around I I mean I went I landed in the right neighborhood I felt at home instantly my sublease turned out to be a dream um my roommate was amazing and I just felt like I was on the brink of finding community and that it could actually work um I do have a lot of friends out there from school and whatnot so it kind of felt like Ooh, like maybe mm-hmm. this is it. Um, but I think like one of the things that we all learned is, well, the world has different plans for you sometimes.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. and so, again, I don't know. It's kind of, and it's like, for me, I've learned the difference of like, you can acknowledge you wanted something, yeah. but then eventually you kind of have to go like, but that isn't now. Right. And so there could be something also really, really cool head. So I don't know, is
1: it possible to tie that in with your
0: production company? Yeah, of course. It is.
2: Comes <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, well, that was born again. Oh my gosh. I'm going to sound like such a little hippie dippy flower, but I'm really, I'm really not, No, <laughs> um, but it also came to me in a meditation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was in Atlanta, like I'd never really thought of it before in, in that shape, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, storytelling is is what we do and that's what I envision myself doing. But in this particular shape, it didn't take form until like 2 a.m. I think this was like month five of quarantine when it was just like, ooh. Um, and I, I just had the name, which is Cafecito pop into mm-hmm. my head.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and it seemed so obvious to me. Um, and what I did was, I just had this kind of like floating image of what that could be. And so I got on the internet and I bought the domain for it. I bought the Copsita Mm-hmm. And then I left it alone. I didn't like touch it. I was just like, well, I'm going to do it. I had like this download from the world to do it. I did it. Um, and then... Uh, at the time I was doing she atl which had to move um Mm -hmm. virtually yeah so I was working with Caitlin who's my co-producer in in many things including cafecito and um we were doing she atl and we were navigating theater in a virtual world and Mm -hmm. you know kind of talking about process and development and you know theater as a form of storytelling and I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I'm already lost, but um, no, I'm, I'm so. following it. Completely. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it, all of this really kind of cool stuff was happening in terms of like developing this group of writers, developing how we wanted to see this new virtual world happen. Mm-hmm. There was like less team involved because it was going to be on zoom. So we kind of implemented a plan that would take them through, um, like personal writer development stuff and workshops with industry professionals across the country that kind of shaped their, um, their writing experience, their producing experience, yada, yada, yada. Um, it basically snowballed into like, oh, remember that thing that I bought a domain for? Yeah. <laughs> um, remember how we really like storytelling? Remember how we want to make movies? Remember, do you know, all this stuff. Um, it just kind of came into fruition with a story mm-hmm. that kind of I had uh, done a short play of it about two years ago, and it was always a seed to become a short film. Mm-hmm. And um, she happened to be, the person who, who wrote it, Jocelyn Rick, happened to be a writer in our festival. Um, and it was just awesome the way that she was working with her team and just developing her you know, full-length play. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of resurfaced. And I was like, well, remember that short play you wrote? you want to make that into a movie? (laughs) Um, and, and Caitlin was on board and Jossie was on board and then it just kind of manifested into, to making it a a thing. (laughs) That's amazing. Cause
0: I mean, how long did that take to get off the ground? Cause I feel like a month ago I saw some behind the scenes stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we started really talking about it seriously at the beginning of November no, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit earlier, October, I was, I was sending it to a couple of different friends who are in the film industries, our film industry and kind of getting their opinion about it and just kind of like letting it buzz because I'm someone mm-hmm. who like loves to collaborate and like loves to just talk about things for like yeah. hours. So it's just kind of like letting it, letting it buzz and, and, and whatnot. Um, but I think we found our director, Christina Artona in, mm-hmm. um, early December or late November. So around then, and then we just hit the ground running Mm -hmm. Um, and it just flourished into such a freaking cool experience. Like so many wonderful people involved. Yeah. Um, Really smart, really creative, really, you know, professional, whatever that means. Um, It's just an awesome group of people. I, I, it was um, it was amazing.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I think making something when you're on the same page with people mm-hmm. and you're making something together—that is like, yeah. that's it. It's like the best. And I think that's. I mean, it's it's so tangible, especially in the th- and not especially, but like in the theater, mm-hmm. it's like the magic is right, right there, flowing between everybody. How mm-hmm. did you? How did you find? how have you been finding zoom theater I don't really yeah. talked to anyone about that
1: um well it's funny that you say the magic in theater um, because that's really kind of like the the heartbeat of of what we're trying to do with craftta productions in mm-hmm. that like we're really trying to bring the things that we love from the theater into mm-hmm. the film world and to me personally that means like bringing people on board from the get-go it's about having reverence for the process um Mm -hmm. it's about bringing the actors in early it's about developing the script it's about letting it live with the actors for a little Mm -hmm. bit letting it live with the dp if she wants to come to the script you know reading you know what i mean like just yeah more collaborative process because of course film is a collaborative process by nature right like you're Mm -hmm. making movies things have you know your roles and you put it together and it's just this whole magical party mm-hmm. um but what happens when you kind of strip away the world the walls of of each individual role right mm-hmm. and and you have people sharing their experiences being vulnerable through the development of it you know um and that's what we're trying to create i think with like our our process and developing mm-hmm. stories with the with the production company um which brings me to zoom i don't know <laughs> um I don't, I don't know. It's a hit or miss. I was taking classes because, you know, I went to Lambda for a hot second.
0: Yes. Did you do this semester
1: course? I just did like the intensive.
0: When did, when did Lambda happen for you? What time in your life? Um, hmm.
1: (laughs) um, it happened over the summer because we weren't allowed to really go away during the school year. Mm -hmm. um, Third year, my third year. Okay. Uh, so it was that junior year. Um, and it happened uh yeah, in the summer. So that was okay. right before my senior year. So how do you feel about
0: conservatory training? I've never asked anybody this.
1: I looking back on it, and it's been a few years since I've been there, right? So I've had mm-hmm. some space from it. I personally really enjoyed my time um mm-hmm. at DePaul. I again I love what I do and I love learning. So I love learning about what I do and I love rolling on the floor on mats and like pretending to be air, fire and water all in one, you know, like yeah. that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think it's fun. And I think it's great and I think it's served me really well. And I am who I am because I went there. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you no, know, but, y- but y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, like we were talking about, there's, there's obviously some problematic things with like conservatories and institutions and, I will say though, that the one thing I'm learning now that I wish I had was at conservatory. It's really a one track mind. Um, And that's not to say that some of my peers are really brilliant, like multi-hyphenate people and were writing when they were there, but it wasn't something that the the institution facilitated so much you know mm-hmm. um so you know i wish there was some production classes that we had to take or some writing classes you know i snuck in like a solo writing pe- like a class but that was just my senior year because i had one moment where i had an extra slot yeah um mm-hmm. but everything else was pretty like formulated for us you know and and i was at DePaul when they still had the cut system
0: please explain this this is wild
1: yes so DePaul had a system where they, I think we started, you know, hundreds of submissions. They accept, I think it was like just shy of 40 people for a freshman class. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of every year, they cut half um, based on like, oh shoot, I don't even remember the like, we got it. We got what it was based off of. And it was like maybe one to eight or one to 12 things, professionalism, attendance, like just a whole list that you can kind of check off, Mm -hmm. but also not right? Because you're sitting in class and you don't know what your teachers are thinking. You don't know your evals, you know, you, um, it can be really stressful for people. And I think it was really stressful. So for some of my yeah. classmates, um, but I only had to go through that one year and then they took it away, um, after my freshman year, okay. but you still had an invitation to return. So they couldn't, they didn't have a quota to fill after every year, but you still had to await like, Hey, you're invited back for next year. Okay. Um, and that's more. I think that was more like after the first year ended and they took away the "quote unquote" cut system. It was more like, "Are you showing up to class and things like yeah. that?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you didn't get an invitation to return, it wasn't going to be a surprise. Yeah, uh, you would have known about it. Um, but yeah, I mean that's really intense when you're at a conservatory as a freshman, as an 18 year old with a class of 40 and not knowing who you're going to see the next year you know
0: yeah, that, that's like hunger games or something <laughs> and then also you're uh, like one of I mean I don't know I think actors like we can fall into insecurity quite easily no matter what our age but then mm-hmm. at that age yeah you're quite insecure and then you you're like you're literally because also being an actor like there's no I don't know because I'm even thinking about lambda there were some there was something that was not okay that some of my classmates did and they ranked everybody. Cause like th- these girls or I think it was one girl in particular and she was dealing with a lot of her own insecurity. Sure. Whatever. Um, and I, I don't think she would agree with it now, but she ranked everybody. And also, we, I knew, I was like, well, this person's better than me. And I mm-hmm. think I'm better at this person than this, but I'm not as good at this. And like, I'm yeah. already ranking me. I'm already beating myself up for not being as good at as at sure. one thing. So I don't need the idea of like, also getting cut along the way is just-
1: I mean, it's, it's a tough environment. I remember when we were probably our junior or seniors, we were really- fighting for like an on-campus or like an in-school psychologist of sorts. Because um, not only are you going through like 12 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and these, like these heart-wrenching, oh my gosh, I have to tell you. Oh, can I tell please, you? Please, Oh, this is going to, oh gosh, why did I, why? <laughs> okay, so you're, you're in class like Monday through Friday for like yeah. 12 hours, like doing these heart-wrenching sort of situations, you know. Before I went, I actually had a, a monologue coach Um, before I went to DePaul, that was like, are you sure you want to go? Like I've heard DePaul can break you down, but doesn't lift you back up, which I have my thoughts on. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I I think that that's a huge conversation, Um, but it can be true. You know, I think it, I think it can be true for some people. And I definitely had some hard spots in DePaul. Mm -hmm. Um, One being, oh my gosh, I I probably will never hear this, but um, he'll know who he is if he does. (laughs) um I had a breakup like one of those breakups that like linger for years yeah like when your heart is literally on the floor and you're looking at it um and we had this Shakespeare class with a fantastic professor I loved her um but she literally had us for about three days um go one by one with our entire class so normally we're split into classes of like 10 or 8 or 10 but we had Shakespeare together like once, once a week or something. I don't remember the exact timeline, but she had us all sitting in the line on one wall. Okay. And we had to one at a time, stand up in front of this wall of students who we've now spent four years together. So we know everything about everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, had us stand up in the center of the room, ask everyone to, look at us by their name. So Rebecca, look at me. And they would have to like lift up their head and like stare at you. <sighs> okay. So I had just broken up with this boyfriend who like I was in love with.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I had to look at him, and ha- look at him like the day after, like a week after whatever, look at him in his face and tell him to look at me, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Everyone knew
1: what was going on. We were like the couple of the school, right? Mm-hmm. And then this teacher goes to, like, goes to ask me, have you ever loved before? Has your heart ever been broken? And I'm sitting there like, I am so raw right now in front of, I can't hide a thing because everyone, you know, everyone is, yeah. no, so just things like that, where you're getting down to the, like the, the depths of your soul. <laughs> yeah. Did she know? She knew. I'm, I'm just... in kind of two minds about that kind of stuff, you know? I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. For me personally, in that moment, that was really hard for me because how I was getting through school at that point was zipping up and, Mm -hmm. and trying to get through, um, without losing composure, you know? Um, so that didn't really help me personally in that moment.
2: Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? Um, what did I learn? I learned, I don't know that I could be vulnerable. If I, I don't know. I don't really know what I learned. I, yeah. you know, an exercise and being present and vulnerability, vulnerability. But I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I have a friend, and she's in a Meisner class right now, and he had some new people in the in the Meisner class, and so he was kind of like, look, look how far I can push this girl. So he said some stuff to her about like, imagine this is your sister and da da ba, 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 ba. And he recounted stuff to her that she had told him in private. No,
2: no, 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 no And no, then,
0: right. so of course, because he was trying to like show off, like look at what a great teacher I am. And I have an opinion about Meisner. I take little things from everything. Meisner, it works for you. That's great. I call it like bad Meisner upsetting yourself in public. It's just <laughs> like- You just sit there and you get yourself so
1: upset and then everyone's like, hooray. And you're just like, Here's the thing though, Rebecca, like probably 2% of Meisner teachers should be teaching Meisner. The rest should Mm -hmm. not be teaching Meisner and Mm -hmm. what you're learning is not Meisner and Mm -hmm. what you're taking home with you to go put into your scripts is not Meisner, you know? And it's just like, you're
3: saying,
0: and it, <laughs> I, I once couldn't get into this emotional state once, right, for this monologue. Right. And the woman knew I was about to go to Lambda. And I think she was kind of confused how I got in. So that was fun. And I could not get into this super emotional place. Um, she taught in Chicago. And so she yelled at me. And mm-hmm. I was against the wall because I needed to, like, be on the ground and crying. And that's how she was directing the monologue. And I'm pretty sure that's how she's directed every single actor to do that monologue she'd ever assigned. <laughs> and I couldn't start crying. So she was yelling at me of, like, you have killed him. You blah, 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 blah. And I broke down crying. And I did the monologue. I mean, yeah, if you would have filmed me, I think people would have been like, that was really good. But mm-hmm. guess what? I've never been able to do the monologue like that ever since. I still read it and I'm kind of like, uh, I can't get it right, you know? And so she didn't teach me acting. She just She just upset me, kind of was like, didn't that feel good? Didn't that feel visceral? And right. it's like, well, you know, it's, but also sometimes I can't get to an emotional state. So like- you know but that's just yeah, mean well, it's, to- it's
1: just hitting what's truthful for you you know and if that wasn't truth that was someone yelling at you <laughs> like <Yeah>. that is- <laughs> wasn't <in> acting <laughs> right but, right but
0: like people at the end they were like really good job Rebecca and I kind of was like thank you but, but then yeah, I don't know I don't know anyways acting <laughs> um, okay so you were talking about the DePaul training and something popped into my head so now you're multi-hyphened. you know, and you were talking about how other people were multi-hyphened. Do you consider yourself like, okay, here's the thing. I've started to take on hyphens, but I've started to take on hyphens because I was like, I am an actor and that's like all I'm going to do. But Mm -hmm. then that need to create and tell stories, as you were saying, and like be collaborating with people, it wasn't being fulfilled because as we all know, acting is such a fickle business. And then also – I've heard people say that like our full-time actors, they're like, I probably am actually acting a couple months out of the year. Yeah. You know? So did you start taking on those multi-hyphens or what? like how did that work?
1: I mean, I think it's always been in me and I think Mm -hmm. that it's always somewhere in most people, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's just, again, about finding that thing that makes your voice kind of erupt. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me it was, so I'm half Mexican, half Norwegian, and I had a moment graduating from college where I was like, oh, the world is not what I think it is. Mm -hmm. And the world doesn't see me as I see myself. Um, and so a lot of my, like a lot of the stories that I'm looking for now and, are, are attracted to, to, to produce and to develop mm-hmm. are stories that, um, have more diversity in them. And I don't mean that by like the coin term of diversity. It's just like, I, I was never going out for roles that were me. I was never enough for one or another. I was never white yeah. enough. I was never Hispanic enough. Mm-hmm. I speak perfect Spanish, but I don't look like the, the stereotypical Spanish person that they're trying to cast as mm-hmm. I'm maybe to some people have too much flavor as a white person you know what i mean but i i am both my mom is very white very tall very blonde and my dad is very dark and handsome you know what yeah, i mean yeah. so it's like i'm i'm both but i i felt that i wasn't allowed to live as either yeah. you know what, um, so, sorry um no,
0: i was just is there like a certain so this was something you became more aware of once you were out of college was yeah. it kind of a slow realization
1: like or was there an inciting incident um a little bit of both i mean it's been a roller coaster ride so i grew up as a mexican half mexican person in mm-hmm. the south which is hard mm-hmm. um i am a white latina so sometimes i get by without getting noticed right and well there's something different about you but like it's not that like it's not imposing you know what I mean or it's like I I mean I have the privilege of having half my family being white you know um Mm -hmm. and my brother for example looks like me but he's a little bit darker skinned so his experience is even different than mine Mm -hmm. was in high school Mm -hmm. and growing up um And, you know, I had several instances in middle school and high school that kind of kept pushing me out of one circle and into another and out of one and into another in terms of like the way I looked and things like that. Um, And then in college, it was after college, it was gradual. So in college... I was playing a lot. I was playing everything. I wasn't, I was probably the, the one Latina not cast in, in the Heights, but that's cause no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, other than that, I really had like, I mean, it's true. <laughs> no one wants to, um, they gave it a shot though. They, they, they let me have an audition and mm-hmm. quickly at a, a no, thank you. <laughs> um, but you know, I was, I was playing a lot of different things and I felt like really free of, uh, of that. Um, and then my first roles out of college in, in theater had nothing to do with the color of my skin. I was just playing people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first TV and film things that I did didn't say Latina or didn't say white girl. It was just, it felt like it was just the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came to Atlanta and there were several theater auditions where I was at the door told no because I wasn't blonde or looked a certain way I don't want to get into that I've, I've said it publicly totally. so you can include this in, in whatever and yeah. and I think that I really have like processed with the community and yeah. um you know we have processed it or are trying to process it as a as a as part of the theater community here um but it was the moment that I was like whoa what you know what wow. it's because it's because of the way that like I am like I'm a white Latina I've had opportunities that other um people who who don't look like I do haven't had you know what I mean so it it was it was my privilege that had got me that far you know what I mean but then put me in a different pool and and then I was like, oh, wait a second. You are a little, like a little different. You know, yeah. I mean? you're, not, you're not the blonde hair, blue eyed person that we're looking for. Yeah. Um, which was kind of shocking because I grew up thinking that I was Selena, <laughs> uh-huh. Selena Quintanilla, and then that I was a- Lizzie McGuire. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I thought I could do it all. Um, I thought that the world could do it all. You know what I mean? Like I thought that yeah. that was, that was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um,
0: that, yeah. Can I ask? Okay, so um I believe it was an interview with Carrie Washington. And I, I don't want to like mess it up, but you know how she did the show Little Fires Everywhere? Yeah. Okay. So in an interview, and I found this so interesting. Originally in the book, I believe it was two white women. And Reese Witherspoon had been wanting to do a project with Carrie Washington. They'd been talking about it. And she presented it to Carrie and she was like, Okay, I think I found a good project. What do you think about this? it's not about a black woman and a white woman. It's just two women. I think that's kind of how it was presented. And Carrie said, she was like, well, okay, but don't you understand by putting a black woman into this role, it is going to affect the story, which I think improved the story. And she wasn't like, no, but she was like, it is going to tell a different story because I am a black woman in it.
1: Yeah. I think I know where you're going with that, but I think, I mean, I think every story is different, right? And you have to treat it as such. In that story, I didn't read the book beforehand, but for example, that's also bringing in Cleveland, which has Mm. a rich history of black and white um, communities, both living peacefully and not living peacefully. Mm-hmm. And it also has a lot of socioeconomic differences between those two women
2: mm-hmm. that
1: like, for example, if you put the black woman as, as Reese's character, it'll tell a different story. You know what I mean? You're bringing in mm-hmm. a lot of different interconnected things. You know what yes. I mean? So I think, I think Carrie was right on like, you know, putting a black woman in this story and specifically putting her in this role. Yeah will tell a different story. I, I don't think it always has to, you know what I mean? Like, totally. I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think it has to, you know, I yeah. think that like when I'm looking for stories and the stories that I picture, you know, my career being built off of, it's just, it's complex stories about women and people living their messy lives, you yeah. know, like ugly yeah. and beautiful and searching for love as, as a, as a mixed baby (laughs) is probably not very different than all the other babies, you know, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's the big question. Right. And I think it comes down to being specific,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know what I mean? And, and not specific in in that person's journey, in that person's like dreams and fears and Mm -hmm. things like that. You know what I mean? Um, And, and within the Latin community too, Rebecca, that is so complicated as there's no one formula for being Latino. You know, you have whiter than me with red hair, you have white and blonde hair, you have dark, beautiful skin and red, you know, there's just, there's no formula for the way that Latino appears in the world. Right now in Hollywood, we have maybe two different stories, you know, Yeah. Um, and none of them that I relate to, you know, and none of them that I think that a lot of people relate to. Like, I don't know what it's like to live as a Latino in East LA. Yeah. I don't know what it's like to live as a Latino in New York. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, am. Um, a uh, Latina who was raised in the South by a Norwegian mother and a Mexican <laughs> father and it's complicated and it's messy but uh-huh. it's fun as hell like our traditions are crazy you know <laughs> well what about you being like what about because we haven't
0: even touched on Norwegian being half Norwegian <laughs> like what is that
1: like you know? <laughs> it's awesome it's from my mom's side uh-huh. um, my grandparents have like deep rooted connections to Norway so that's been a part of my like up- upbringing mm. um I've gone and I know my family pretty well um in Norway I don't speak I know like three words in Norwegian yeah <laughs> I know the I know the good stuff um which is blumstach which is a flower oh my gosh I hope they hear this they're gonna be so proud of me <laughs> um and isklem which is ice cream and you have lutefisk, which is the worst. If anyone offers you lutefisk ever, just say no immediately. No. It's a no. It's a hard no. Thank you it? It's some kind of fish that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. So those are my three. But yeah, I mean, and we blend it. Like um, our our Christmases are like half Norwegian, half Mexican. Like the table mm-hmm. is like half Norwegian dishes, half Mexican dishes. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's, it's a wild ride. I wouldn't change it for the world. (laughs) Uh
0: I love that. And I think it's, but I do think it's interesting that like we talked about your father's side first. And do you feel like people don't pay as much attention to the Norwegian side of you?
1: That's a, that's a really good question. And I think it's just kind of how I've progressed through my life Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, if I'm if I'm being honest, there was a good portion of my life where I hated being Mexican. Mm-hmm. You know, and that like uh, <laughs> that like breaks my heart to say, you know, yeah. but it was growing up and it was potentially a problem. It was a reason that I didn't feel like I could fit in. Whether or not that, that was the truth, that was a moment in my life that felt real to me. Yeah. You know? Um, and then like but then also going every summer and going to school to Mexico. Like I finished my school year in Mexico and, and I loved my family and I felt at home in my family there, but I felt like that's not something that I could, that I could live out here, Mm
2: -hmm. you know? So
1: I felt like I was just like, you know, going like this. So I think the moment that I truly loved my culture and like loved and was able to share it with people, that's probably what I, what I yelled the loudest. Mm -hmm. That's probably what I'm, you know, not the proudest of most of proudest, proudest. Proudest Is that right? No. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> it's, funny. you know, I, 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 I'm so proud of all of it. Like I, the people who, who have raised me on my Norwegian side, my grandparents, they're my, like my people, they're my best, they are my best friends. Yeah. Um, but like my family who raised me in Mexico, I mean, that's, that feels my blood. Like that feels like my heartbeat, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think the moment that I was able to really live that loudly, um, is probably what I express. When, when was that? Um, to be completely honest, it was probably not until college. Mm-hmm. And it was probably not until I brought boys home and was like talking in Spanish in front of them, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it was probably not in a full way until college.
0: Who were the people that you were around the most in high school? Like, diversity wise and then was the diversity different
1: in at DePaul was that part of it um that's interesting I think I mean I think I had a diverse friend group in high school I think I was around most white people just Mm -hmm. being where I was I was growing up there was a lot of white people but like my family is so diverse, like the people that my friend, like people that family, friends who were coming over were diverse and things like that. So I didn't feel like that was the, the, the issue. I feels like I was the issue to be completely honest with you. Yeah. And I feel like, um, at DePaul in the sense of like breaking things down and picking them back up, I think like all the ser- soul searching we did in those, in those moments really brought out who I was and like yeah. a really cliche college way, but oh. <laughs> you no. Know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, um, when you were talking, I mean, I think college was when I, I think a lot of us find what is different and special about us and then realizing how much of a, how much like our identity was our environment growing up. But like, are there any stories that you've seen in when you connect to a story? I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I connected with the lead in Moonlight you know, where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, but like, have there been any stories with this specific experience you've connected to about, um, or, or is it like, I don't know. Um,
1: not really, not, not really, because I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you, like in the past 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, I literally just told someone that I hated being Mexican. Like I'm like having an internal, like freak No, we <laughs> um, but I think that that's the truth, you know. That's like the first time that I probably said it out loud to someone who's not like my best friend, but like that's that was the truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was a false truth, you know, it was a false god sort of situation, but totally. um, that's not a really pretty part of my life, right? And I, I haven't found that sort of sentiment anywhere, but. I will say, this is going to be so lame, but I was scrolling through the gram the other day totally. and, um, Netflix has a trailer out right now, um, with, uh, Jennifer Gardner and it's, it's yes day or whatever. It's it it. Jenny Ortega in it. Who's just this lovely young, um, Latina actress and I like started bawling, Rebecca. I started bawling because so I was like, that's my family. <laughs> like, you know, it's like my, my mom who like kind of like has same features as Jennifer Gardner's we yeah. you know, um, my dad who has like this beautiful thick accent and like just mixed babies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was so happy because I was like, dang, wow. you know, like that's awesome. You know, yeah. I, I am in my late twenties. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh, had I been, had I been 10 seeing mm-hmm. that, I think it just would have blown my mind. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so that, that's really exciting to me. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's, I don't even know where they're from. It could be, they could have filmed it here for all I know. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was totally. a really like normal family, Yeah, which was awesome. I haven't found anything that's like touches that uglier, but very real part.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, this is something exciting though, about like your production company that you have, um, (laughs) is that like, that is hopefully in 10, who knows how many years, like girls in your situation or other grow in, not just from the stories y'all are telling, but like people with all kinds of family backgrounds don't have to like look around. Oh, okay. I have a friend, um, Megan, this is so different, but, um, she literally said she has two moms, you mm-hmm. know, and they had the same sperm donor mm-hmm. and literally like she'd have to explain it and people would be like, what? And then all oh, of a sudden the movie, the kids are all right. You know? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> everyone. Cause that's, that was my association too. She was like, I have two moms, same sperm donor. And I was like, the kids are all right. And she was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden there was like an, it, people in their head could see it immediately. And they yeah. were like, I get it. Once people even have one thing to associate it with, whether it was her, you, you know, you never know.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's literally Rebecca users made the ad for representation on screen. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that's it. It's, I shouldn't the <laughs> one to make that. But. <laughs> well, no, but I mean like kind of yes so because that representation tells, of course, it, it confirms someone who like can really resonate with that story, but mm-hmm. it also has a domino effect for people who have not seen that before. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like, that's how it travels, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so the 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 short that we made about two happiness in their house for like over a century as their ghosts. Dun dun dun. Um, and then finally. Uh, take interest in their newest living tenant.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but one of the things that we were just talking about is, I don't know, I mean, Caitlin is half Chilean. She speaks fluent fluent Spanish and half of our our conversations rework are in Spanish or when we can't find the word, we split, f- flip to Spanish. But two outsiders looking at us probably wouldn't think that, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it was a really cool opportunity for us to kind of explore our culture in a way that we haven't been able to In film you know um so yeah I think that that is really exciting and and hopefully where we continue delving into but yeah yeah.
0: do you have another project that y'all are kind of cooking or are you gonna just kind of take them as they come
1: um if by cooking you mean like there's a frying pan out yeah And like the olive oil is on the side, <laughs> but yeah. there's like no heat going. <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. And yes, a little bit. But um, I mean, I think what, again, what we're really interested in is kind of that like, like idea to, to final product mm-hmm. um, journey. Um, so we're really looking at working with writers and we're really looking at working with different artists and we're really interested in developing things. So um, that's the blessing of having to read so many plays too for she you know, like there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of really awesome stuff happening. And I think as soon as we find a little seed, we just go for it. Yeah, but- yeah,
0: no. And I think like, you can tell quite quickly when you're on the same page as someone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I read some of the plays, but did you read any of my cr- critiques for the plays? They were amazing. They were very helpful. They were good. I texted because Katarina was also one of the readers, mm-hmm. and I texted her, and I was like, "I think Eric is gonna hate me. I-, I think people don't realize how cutting I can be, and mm-hmm. I-, I think it's like I, I like I approach things with love. I'm usually pretty much like I'm kind of like, okay, what do you think? What do you think? But when it comes to theater. And excellent. It, it's just like that is my life. And I think people, some like, cause I did, so I did the intimacy coordinate, yeah, uh, cord- bleh, bleh, for Ubu. Yeah. And, um, and I've, they were just used to me being like, oh, I have some cookies. Like, how are you guys? I'm just gonna sit here, you know. <laughs> and then I like came into the room and I was so passionate and like flat toned. And I told all of them, and I was like, if you were not comfortable with something, and you do it anyways, we are all watching sexual assault. And that is not art. And I did, I was like, I had so much anger in my voice and I don't know where it came from. Yeah. And everyone at first was like, Oh, Rebecca's here to be nice. And then all of a sudden everyone, like the whole room was quiet. And then I was like, have a good night. Ah! And everyone was
1: like, okay and then just like left the room but- that's amazing no we need that i was listening to um a podcast with someone from pixar and i'm blanking on his name right now but he's like a very important part of pixar's development um it doesn't matter he basically talks about though rebecca that like you have to have that vulnerability Mm -hmm. You have to have that bravery to be vulnerable. You have to have that like emotional connection with the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. And you have to give honest feedback because who are we if we're not creating honestly? You know what I mean? If you don't like something, speak up. Of course, there's a way to say it. Of Mm -hmm. course, there's a way to approach a room. And of course, there's a way to talk to people and communicate with people. Mm -hmm. But like you're actually doing yourself and all of us a disservice if you're not like Hey. So, <laughs> this is my honest opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And, <laughs> and then, you did, and it was lovely.
0: Thank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Because
1: like there was a little bit where I was like, I don't know if Erica hates me now. No, no, but- no, no, no. You and Katerina's both reviews. Actually, I remember. I mean, like,
0: how do you feel? Okay, Chris Jones, the theater critic yeah. in Chicago. Are you uh-huh. aware of aware of him? Do uh-huh. you have strong feelings either way?
1: Um. Um, I have probably been more swayed by my peers who have worked with him and he was a professor for a while at DePaul. Okay. Um, so I probably, yes, continue.
0: Okay. Well, all right. I think think you're gonna, so when I worked at Chicago Shakes, literally one of the first things out of the head of marketing's mouth was, and I was very new, I just moved to Chicago for this internship. She said, Chris Jones is God we will stall a show if he is late in traffic for opening night we will hold curtain until chris is here and she said set an alert on your phone and for chris pretty much just like it is all about him and i am kind of in two minds about it because i think that's ridiculous for one person to hold so much power However, Mm -hmm. I, I'm not aware of his whole career, but I also almost always agreed with what he wrote Mm -hmm. because if he was like, you know, if I was looking forward to a show, I'm also okay with reading a critique or listening to a review beforehand. It doesn't like mess me up, but sometimes I wouldn't read his review. I would go see a show and I was like, why is this sitting weird with me? And then I would go read his review and I'm like, damn it, Chris. (laughs) But all that to say he, when I was thinking of kind of like harsh love. Yeah. Is how they brought Kinky Boots into Mm. Atlanta, not Atlanta. We're in Atlanta to Chicago. Yeah. And I read back his review of it and almost the entire review was director's notes. You know, like a director watched a dress rehearsal and gave notes. He gave notes and then they applied all the notes he had given and they won a Tony. And he, I think he he did another, sh- I think he reviewed another show and made a lot of suggestions and they followed them. And then they won a Tony. He's done that a few wow. times.
1: Wow, wow, wow.
0: And so it's like, should one person have that much control? But then also, you know? Okay. yeah. Over to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. On one hand, I think I'm agreeing with you when I say critique in the theater and critique is really important. You know what Mm -hmm. I think? Um, However, a critique is an opinion, not a fact. Yeah. Right. So I think um, that's something that we always have to remember too. And per that point, Chris Jones is one man. One reviewer is one man, you know, and he happens to be one white man. So Mm -hmm. it's like, what other what do other people think you know what I mean like I think I think he is very smart and he knows what he's talking about um but then are we making theater for one man
2: (laughs) you know so it's like
1: I get I get where you're at with the like the yes and or yes but you know I'm totally there with you did you ever read Ada Gray's of no Oh my gosh, Rebecca, the legend. So if you, if you have, if you read Chris Jones, the yes. next reviewer you have to read is, am I saying it Ada Gray? I think it's Ada Gray. Okay. Anyway, she started reviewing shows when she was like five years old. Uh-huh. Oh, and- wait, wait, wait. Yes. She's a little kid. Yes. yes.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Keep, keep, keep going <laughs> and Really honestly prolific, amazing <laughs> reviews <laughs> of like a whole bunch of shows. Like she would even review our school shows sometimes. Um, and I, I mean, talk about two different perspectives, you know what I mean? <laughs> so as long as you have a little mix of everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually think um,
0: children audiences are the hardest. Totally. Because I think like adults sometimes are kind of like, can kind of go into their imagination of like, oh, this is a show, like, okay. But my mom said in when my little sister used to watch dress rehearsals, and also Mary's like very, very sharp, but she would be like, oh, so-and-so dropped their umbrella or like so-and-so wasn't in character before they entered. And it's because (sighs) like, because kids are just seeing, like, if you're not so real and believable, kids are like, you're not a mouse, you know,
1: you're a silly adult. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. You're so, so right. I don't know how I managed to do it, but I, I, to graduate DePaul you had to do one of the kids shows okay and I was the only person in a really long time who did zero kid shows oh really I don't know how I think I was my last slot I did I was uh, for Duchess of Malfi instead yeah um, so they, they really couldn't <laughs> I think I can't remember what it was for but I somehow slipped out of it but like Gosh, that, that is like a relief because wow. Kids the, are the, hard. <laughs> they're so, because they
0: don't pity laugh. No. And no. Okay. So oh. I took my little sister to this. This is my favorite story. So I took her to see this show. She's mm. sitting next to me. It's not very good. She okay. looks over at me and she goes, How much did you pay for these tickets? <laughs> And everyone else is polite laughing, but it is not good. She, me and her, the only ones not laughing. She goes, how much did you pay for these tickets? And I said, well, $20. She's eight. And she goes, so you wasted your money and my time. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love her. <laughs> it's just, it funny. I was like, it's kind of like, what else do you have to do? Like you're a child. <laughs> and, um, um, what do you do if you're in a bad show? What do you want your friends to say afterwards? Mm-hmm. You know, where it's mm-hmm. like, and they always said like, don't tell me I know, but like, what are your go-to phrases? <laughs> Wait, I can cut this out, but how do you, like, That's if you see right. a friend and they're yeah. in a show and it's not good, what do you, what do you do? Oh my God. That's a great question. Okay. <laughs> I might have to
1: make this a regular segment or I need to cut this out completely, but. Um, I, I, my fan, I, I'd go for a regular segment. Okay. Um, first of all, if it's like a good friend. hmm I will say something in the lobby because we all know how vulnerable it is to like walk out into lobby, but I promise you we'll have a discussion about it later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't lie. I'm so proud of you.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so
1: proud of you for getting through that shit. I'm so proud of you for not quitting. I'm so proud of you for making it to the end, but like, I'm so proud of you mm-hmm. or um, a really long hug. Yeah. Like, let's just not talk <laughs> just yeah talk. <laughs> yeah
0: because <laughs> you get a rush of emotion and it really is like oh my gosh and then I hug you and then I'm like yeah wow <laughs> this is so good <laughs> the kiss of death is if they comment on the costumes or the lighting <laughs> and oh then-
1: my gosh like,
0: wow those costs or um Someone or some people would say, "How did you learn all those lines?" Oh
1: no, 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 no! Oh gosh, I don't have a very good poker face. So if it was like an actual friend, they will know right, Mm -hmm. right away. So I think I'll go for the hug,
0: the prolonged hug. (laughs) Also, actors know, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep asking people
2: that. <laughs> because yeah, that's it's so- really
1: good. <laughs> Thank you. That just popped into um, and I'm take note because if I ever hear what people say at the end of a show, I'm gonna be like, really? Because on Rebecca's podcast, <laughs> you said
0: <laughs> <laughs> just like fast forward to like minute forty. <laughs> no, I mean uh, it's rough. Okay, so but also I think we all know, you know?
1: Yeah, we do. We do. You we know? do.
0: And if someone didn't like something I was in. And I liked, I just don't care. Yeah.
1: You
2: know?
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Can you please tell me yeah. any of your cringy audition stories?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, I have, I, I don't know. They're not, none of them are funny. They're all just like horrible. Um, <laughs> but like, okay. I'm trying to think anytime I've ever s- had to sing, that's just that often cringy for everyone. It happens now. Not so much, but like it used to be like no, like come in for this. Oh, okay, okay, all- <laughs> okay. So there was. Uh, I'll see if we have time for two. But there's this one. It was for um, at the Alliance, um, and it was for this role that sang. And I go in. I think the the scene is fine. I don't even remember the scene. But when we get to the singing part, I sing something. I have the same, I have, I sing the same song every single time I have to sing a song for audition. And I've sung it since high school. Like it does not change. When I did musical theater in college, I took this song through. Like it does not change. And it's the only song I've ever sung on a stage. That's it. That's all I'm doing. And it's, um, gosh, what is it? It's from damn Yankees when I played Lola. Um, whatever Lola wants it's not that it's the other things I took the zing down and okay uh, what is it little things I anyway it's the same damn song that I sing every single time and so I sing it and the casting director goes cool 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 do you have something else and I was like like no like no (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like I've never gotten this far (laughs) like a book what's a book you know it's a book of songs I don't understand um Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm probably sweating and like peeing my pants, but I was mm-hmm. like, no, I like, I really don't. And she goes, okay, can you sing happy birthday? Like the classic happy birthday, mm-hmm. by the way, I'm going say, I skipped my singing classes in Lambda. Like I would go to the cafe so I wouldn't have to sing during Lambda. Like it's a thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, can you sing happy birthday? And I was like, to who, like to you, like why? She had me go back and forth singing happy birthday four times. Happy Birthday is a hard song. It's a hard song. <laughs> I like this is this is what you're going to get, you know. Um she let me go home. This is torturous. They brought me back in and said Prepa-, like prepare something else and come back in. Meanwhile, I'm having like a breakdown because I just don't do this. So when do you learn to be like okay, enough, isn't this is not for me? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then I think I went back and I think saying something else and they tried to work. It just it wasn't. It just wasn't happening. They, um, so that's a cringe. I can see the cringe on your face right now. <laughs> it's just because I
0: understand with like singing oh. is like there's something so vulnerable about singing. There is nothing more painful in the world than in um, at Lambda we had to sing. We did not have the luxury of going to the cafe. Um, jealous but um, (laughs) yeah no and I mean we have a good couple of cafes nearby Um, but literally one of the guys was so nervous he went down the road and this is so theater kid of us but he went and held everyone's hand and stared (laughs) into their eyes (laughs) and he is the sweetest but everybody kind of agreed once we had to start singing in front of each other I think the intimacy like took on a whole new level because World. it was kind of like rebecca isn't the best singer and that's okay and right. you go up there and i would be like everyone knows i have a 50/50 shot at this you know <laughs> and and that's okay and then it was like some people couldn't sing and you knew they didn't want to and then some people had these fantastic voices and you got to sit there and enjoy her singing oh and yeah And enjoy it, you do. Like, it's amazing when people can sing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, I I messaged a friend recently and I was like, remember when you sang that song from Merrily? And she was like, yes. And I was like, I miss that. Can you record yourself singing it? Because it's, her singing it was like, it it was just, it it was, she's so talented. But yes, singing is cringy. I had an audition where I had to dribble a basketball last weekend. Oh no. Well, I can't dribble a basketball. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Kellen Boyle filmed me for it. It Took us 20, 20 minutes. Oh no. (laughs) It was kind of like, I I mean, this isn't my cringy story, but I can just understand where if for some reason they wanted me to do this, I'm kind of like, please don't cast me. Like when is too much, too much, you know?
2: Right, right. When is it like, (laughs)
0: if you, if I can fake it for 10 seconds, I almost didn't want to be able to fake it because I if they brought me in it would have been so no. terrible <laughs> but um no no yeah. so do you feel pretty comfortable auditioning now do you think you've I it? It. Yeah, I
1: you I love it yeah I love it I love it it self-taping the film world is weird and I have like my moments right where mm. you I mean, classic, like, oh, I'm horrible at this. What am I doing? I quit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love auditioning. I don't know. Have so- you seen any
0: Zoom theater? I mean, maybe you can't say this because you did some Zoom theater, but like, mm-hmm. a- how how good do you think it can get? You know?
1: Yeah, I oh. <laughs> I
0: love how I've been throwing more (laughs) hard balls at you (laughs) than anyone else I'm kind of like oh like what was it like in high school and for me (laughs) I'm like let's fix diversity
1: (laughs) (laughs) what does it sound
0: like when you
2: lie to your
1: friends (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh (laughs) but I'm feeling fine I'm feeling great um Yeah. Okay. So it is what it is. Right. So there's that element of like, okay, so there was a period of time where I think people were really trying to create the effects that theater has in person on zoom. It's not mm-hmm. possible. So what else can you make on this platform? Yeah. You know what I mean? What fun things can you do? That's not including changing your background to a green screen. You know what I mean? Like what sort of tricks can you play to engage your, um, your audience there's there. So she NYC, who is our sister festival, mm-hmm. um, is like a partner to the Broadway Sinfonetta, which is this beautiful thing who actually comp- composed, check me on that involved in the music for, for Ratatouille, the musical on TikTok. So good. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Yeah. You know, that's like kind of something, right? Like so it's really zoom, but something like, I think that was re- incredibly successful. And I'm like, so in awe of my collaborators over there because it's just like wow what you did was amazing you know yeah yeah Um, so that's kind of what I'm interested not recreating what we missed in theater desperately but like what new shit can you make you know what like what fun can be had I will say classes are hit or miss um I found it really beneficial for play development Mm. um classes can be hard because attention span for me I'm like yeah um, yeah. I can't watch another scene right now you know what I mean because um, I don't feel you or whatever it might be you know yeah um, but I mean zoo plays are hard sometimes sometimes what I will do is I'll think of it as a radio play and I'll just if it's a new play to me mm-hmm. I'll just kind of let myself either lie down or like do what I need to do and just kind of listen to it and kind of let it enter me that way rather than trying mm-hmm. to like you know yeah
2: touch soul
0: with it. it. (laughs) Yeah. And something, I feel like this is so obvious, but yeah, I think one of my issues with the zoom plays is like, I've had, so for Ubu, I only missed two performances because I'm obsessive quite so. And so I can just, I can eat the same sandwich every single day and I can watch the same play (laughs) over and over and over. But one of my friends, um, Jenica, she was like, I could feel your energy wasn't in the audience that night. And, um, And then I like saw another friend and maybe this is just theater, like lovey, kissy stuff. But like, I believe it that one of my friends, I went to go see her thing and she was like, Rebecca, like I felt so nurtured because I knew you were out there, you know? And so I think part, so much of it is just, um, and for me sometimes if I'm like, oh my gosh, Erica's in the audience and I don't want her to think I suck. Right. 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 That's another part of it. But um, I guess other people really enjoy knowing who's in the audience.
1: Well, um, Rebecca, that's like being an incredible audience member is a gift. Like mm-hmm. that is so special. People say the same thing about my grandfather. Mm. Like whenever he's there, they like know, and he goes to everything across the country in LA and Chicago. He goes some has gone to every single one of my plays and everyone knows you know what I mean Mm. so that is like a special gift and like not something that everyone can recreate so
0: and it's impossible to do that over zoom totally (laughs) totally it's just I don't know so maybe that's the issue okay I have a little nerdy thing that you were talking about the Ratatouille musical but you know um uh so when shakespeare they were working on the globe and then there was the fire and then they moved to blackfriars you can tell in the plays he was writing the kind of plays and characters and special effects and stuff started changing because he was working in an indoor theater where all yeah. of a sudden they had a trap door so then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know they were like oh my gosh we have a, we should, we're gonna just make every and then there's um what is it Allswell? where they have a part of the plot, there are ghosts on stage. And then literally my favorite stage direction of all time is the God Jupiter descends on an eagle. And there's like (laughs) no reason for it, but it's kind of like the, the, how we're doing it has changed. We're inside now it's more intimate. And, and so like the stuff we're putting up should be different as well, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: But. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think that that's right because who are we as artists, right? Mm-hmm. We should be, we have, I believe we have a constant responsibility to be taking the temperature of our community, you know, and acting as either a reflection of that as, as a conversation to that, you know, whether it's to um, challenge it, whether it's to agree with it, whether it's to, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're in conversation with what's Mm -hmm. happening in our society. And if right now zoom is the way that we're communicating, you're absolutely right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What are we communicating about? Why are we in these boxes? Why are, you know what I mean? Like this whole existential thing that I'm sure we have all been going through Mm
2: -hmm.
1: here now. Is it that? Yeah. I think it's a COVID birthday soon, you know? So it's like, how, how do we adapt? How, how, how have we had to adapt? And then how as artists, are we adapting our creation? Do we adapt? When do we adapt and what ways do we adapt and what part of it adapts? You know what I mean? I'm not saying, please, nobody show up in masks on your zoom call. Like I would literally close the meeting, no. but, but at the same time, what are those, you know, what are those themes and what are those emotions behind all that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also that it's hard and also we're imperfect and also zoom plays are what they are (laughs) and
0: I am not hating on zoom plays whenever I've I've been to them I've watched them there have been productions that people are working it around COVID and they're taking Uh, safety precautions and I think that's amazing and then because I think it's way too early to say like this was done right and this was done wrong because even in theater I'm always going to take nuggets from like this show as a whole wasn't my favorite, but oh my gosh, I love this one performance. Oh my gosh, I love how they handled this. And I think that's how we need to be a really good film, filming of a live performance.
1: I, I know you've seen the national stuff, the national theater stuff. I've been you? watching some of the national stuff. What do you suggest? Um, there's a couple. I'm I'm watching, I have it on my calendar to watch Julie this weekend. Oh, um, I saw that. I saw that live. Yes, let oh. me. Know. know what you think I will that's so exciting um oh nice Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I got very um I saw a lot of the beginning stuff but yeah I think that I think theaters now are getting antsy right and they are moving into that streaming sort Mm -hmm. of situation where like how do we record what we're doing in person and putting it up which you know will be interesting I think that that's like it'll again it's different right it's not what we're used to but can you create that like, can you, I don't know. You know, I'm,
0: yeah. I'm, I don't know. I, I think, I think, okay, he, just being honest, I, if it's a really good filming of a onstage performance, I can't give them my energy. However, you'll be able to see Vanessa Kirby. And also I think you can feel that there is an audience on her And you'll at least be able to see them having that like little, so it's like, it's like uh, freaking into the woods. Mm -hmm. I grew up on the live production of it with Bernadette Peters and it is this gorgeous thing. And the stage rotates, which was kind of a new thing. And I'm sitting in my classroom and I'm still excited by the fact the stage is rotating, you know? even if I'm not sitting in the audience. So right. um, yeah, a good, a good recording of live theater still kind of it's curbing. It's curbing. Yeah. And grieving,
2: yeah and
1: I think, I mean, I think there's also realization that like, who are we doing it for? You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'll be totally like honest, like when I'm watching the national theater, I know I'm watching it as an actor in a classroom kind of situation. You know what I mean? I'm watching some great, Freaking actors do their thing. Um, and it's gonna be different. You know what I mean? And if I showed it to a friend who's not involved in theater, they'd probably check out after like minute five, right? Like I, I yeah that, that I do understand. Um, which I think is also important to be like, okay, well, this is actually for <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's no harm. Like, we're theater artists, you know, we're we're actors, we're storytellers. Of course we get fed by art. Like, what's the shame in that? The
0: future of theater who
1: knows.
0: And it's 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 hard because film is so cool and that's what I'm feeding with my me mostly but like theater is this it's like the it's the thing that's like raised me you know yeah Yeah. do you have a not like what's your favorite but um but what is your favorite
1: (laughs) oh no what is my favorite so it's like,
0: do, do you, do you kind of get the same thing from doing screen and doing theater? Oh. Like, do you have kind of that same experience on set? It kind of doesn't matter what it is.
1: It's, I, I like to equate it to being on set is like being at Okay. So it's hot. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. I could rehearse a play for three years and do it once. Mm -hmm. And be completely fine with it. Like I love being in the room with my people and just like attacking something and just getting to the root of it and playing and all that stuff. But one of my absolute favorite things about being in theater is that moment in tech when you see everything flying in around you and you're like, what the, that is the feeling I get on set. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like seeing like all the magic happen before you and with you and um that's that's really kind of fun to me and it's it's re- it's weird because i never thought that i could have i it's i never thought until this year that i could learn the language of how to do that you know what i mean i kind of felt like a pawn or someone waiting for their opportunity to kind of enter that world in like a more conversational way um, and I I craved so bad to learn that language and be able yeah. to express myself like that because it felt like it felt like internally something that like I really wanted to do yeah um so I started taking classes um, through Tish
3: mm-hmm. and
1: kind of learning like you know all the things that I didn't think I knew about the film world and that I knew in my bones about theater um so I, I have to say like theater is like my heart you know mm-hmm. it's my heartbeat it's where I go back to for craft it's it's where I fell in love with what I do it's mm-hmm. what feeds me and like muscle but the, like the magic of a movie mm-hmm. set is just it's too much it's too
0: much <laughs> was it like um working on shoot what was the movie I just watched you in was it gallows yeah <laughs> what was that like filming that scene
2: Everything
1: um, freaked me out the the one in the room yeah oh my gosh was that traumatizing no really do you want to know why why (laughs) because (laughs) i mean yes and like the moments there's some moments where it's like obviously like emotionally taxing but like when i have a noose around my neck Sorry. Spoilers. Sorry. spoiler. It came out like forever ago. Yeah, it's fine. If you're not going to see it, you're not going to see it. When I have a noose around my neck, there's also 20 other humans below me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the noose isn't tied to anything. It's literally hanging on my back. Mm-hmm. And when I jerk forward, I'm falling onto a sea of cushions. Okay. So-, <laughs> so what you see really like is not what I saw. Yeah. So it's a lot of it's a lot of head games with yourself, I guess. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, I just I watched this and I was like, mm, like here we go, and then I was like, <laughs> it was very, it was it was upsetting. But um, but no, I mean you did a great job, which was your job to do. But I was like, I have to ask Erica about this. Wait, I'm root down.
1: Yeah, you got, like, the director, I think, I, I can't remember if you see Charlie, but, like, you have the director to my right, and the, okay. the other director to my, like, to my left, you have, I mean they're, you know, they're, in that scene specifically, they're talking to me as it's happening, so it's, like, mm-hmm. really kind of very supported,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and, like, telling me, okay, this is, you know, like, walking it through because we were going to do, like, you know, the, the audio didn't matter in, in that particular shot. So it was That's very nice. sorted. Yeah.
2: Was
0: very nice. Okay. Um I checked my notes because um <laughs> okay. So I don't know. And I'm just being honest. People were like, you need to like for different segments because I've never done any. I just like to talk to people. Yeah. And, um so the beginning of the Search for Pink podcast. Yeah. Or the beginning of the search for pink was trying to find for me it was finding something positive every day. Because Mm -hmm. I wasn't in a good place and I didn't even realize I wasn't in a good place, but it was, um, it was finding one thing positive every day. And then that's kind of, it eventually led into something bigger. So when you're feeling discouraged and when you're having a hard time, what do you go back to?
1: Um, Um, I think. As someone who, I mean, deals greatly with a lot of anxiety and depression in and out of my life, it changes based on the season that I'm in, Um, but I always go back to connecting with someone. And usually that's my grandfather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I always will call him or talk to him or read something that like kind of lands me in poetry or like little short stories. Um, Lately throughout the pandemic, it's been moving my body um, breath Mm -hmm. um, and the kind of the mantra that you can do hard things because we can, we can do hard things. And so that's something I've been telling myself over and over again, but I think it's just reaching out to people that I know love me, you know, giving myself a hug right now. (laughs) Someone once told me
0: they were like, hug yourself because your body doesn't know the difference between a hug from yourself and someone else. And part of me, I was like, that's bullshit i want to, I want to hug me but it is true it is true um for me i hold my boobs that's my whole answer to anxiety and depression is
1: i just hold them I And mean, i think reading for me like when i go through hard times like i'll just pull out like an old play or something mm-hmm. um yeah you know just what it is in the moment giving mm-hmm. yourself grace yeah I love the search for pink though. And that's how I also knew that you were a cancer because because I would think about my friends who've known me for a long time will always be like, Erica, the girl with the rose colored glasses, you know, like goes anywhere and is like, oh my God, the sunset. Like I've never seen a sunset before or, oh my God, look at the moon. Like I've never seen the moon like every day of my life or like, uh-huh. oh my God, this feeling like, where would you want to be right now? And if the answer is anywhere else, then I like leave, you know what I mean? Like, that <laughs> That's kind of the role that I've assumed a lot. Um, So I was like, rose-colored glasses, pink, pink, the search for pink. Yes, I know it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, that was uh, a
0: rose-colored glasses was kind of something that came into it. Um, Yeah. It's interesting how I'm kind of in two minds about like how the account has veered away from that. Because Mm -hmm. I think originally I was very much like, I'm going to be Cause it was like millennial pink time where everyone was like being inspiring. And I was like, I'm going to be inspiring. But like little did I know it was actually only for me, you know, like I just needed this to keep going and now it's just become my personal account. Um, I don't know. I think maybe we'll be seeing a veer, a veer back towards that. Um,
1: That's cool. I mean, it's ebb and a flow, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it. I think what, you know, what you put out is always so fun and honest. And so it's, which I think is, is the key. You
0: know? Yeah, no, it's so fun. Yeah. It's my, it's my little, I don't know. And like, that's kind of just me doing whatever I want. And then the podcast yeah. is my baby. So yeah. um, thank you so much for, for sitting down and talking to me for, I haven't checked the time the whole time. Okay. Wait,
1: it's five. five. We haven't done too bad. Right. No, that's great. No, that's really great. I am, like, so proud of myself. The I, I, last wait, few, wait, wait, what time is it? It's only 5.50. Oh, shit. We started at four. Oh. Rebecca, it's felt like literally 10 minutes. Like, really? <laughs> I haven't checked at all. It's just, no, it's been lovely. It's been lovely.
0: <laughs> no, literally, I thought we started at five, so I was, like, pat on the back for me. Cause I always go
2: so over. Oh
0: shoot. Oh no. (laughs) No. And I'm fine with going over, but my, my mom has been like, come on, Rebecca, like keep it more concise. And I'm kind of like, concise. (laughs)
1: Concise. You can tell her here. Hey, listen, I cried. She cried. We're two cancers. We laughed a little. We. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for talking to me, Rebecca. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't. I I
0: always babble. I love it so much. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'll see you later. Have a good weekend.
2: All right. Bye, babe. Bye.
3: Hey y'all. Um, so that was Erica. I will be honest. I was crying. I had a nice little cry about five minutes before I got on the call with her. And um, I don't know, with some people, I don't think I would have asked to reschedule that down to the wire. But I was literally like, I think I'm actually going to be in a better place after this call. Um, Because Erica is just so lovely and was just such a light. And it means just so much. Literally, I... Mostly just had to cut out me going, mmm, mmm, you know, like the whole time. I love how deep we got. Um, I I thought it was funny listening once again listening back and how much I I don't know was like really throwing the hard questions at her. Um, yeah, she's so great. I am so excited to see the short film that's coming out of Cafecito. I. I'm so pumped to see what she ATL has coming. Um, Erica, hopefully you've gotten this far. Just know you got my number, or I think you have my number. Or my you have my um you have my Instagram. Um DM me if you ever need anything, babe. I've got your back. I believe in you. Um, and I'm so happy that more people are hearing your story. Um, yes. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so so much for listening. If you have not subscribed to the podcast please do so. If you would like to give us a like that would be real cool. The like takes the least amount of time. Um, It's the least commitment, least amount of time. Um, Highly suggest liking. If you want to flex your ability to write, wow. I will be so impressed. So impressed do it for me, do it for my cat, and uh, talk soon. Keep in touch. Love you. Bye-bye.